4: Welcome to Upfront, I'm Chloe Morgan. And I'm Rachel O'Sullivan. It was another dramatic weekend in the WSL and the Emirates delivered some juicy narratives again. Arsenal bagged two stoppage time goals to beat Aston Villa and guess who was a big part of that comeback? The one, the only, meed-o, That's Beth Mead, for those who don't know. On today's show, we discuss her return, plus another statement performance from Leicester City, which kept them second in the table. Thank God we got all of our predictions so right. And a big Merseyside derby win for Everton. Plus, we check in with Megan Swanick for the lowdown on an enthralling decision day across the pond in the NWSL and find out the favourites for the championship heading into the playoffs. Right, Rach, before we get cracking, before we get absolutely stuck into another wild week for the WSL, what's been your big moment of the weekend? Is a buffet to
1: choose from. What's your first pick? Okay, there is, you're right. There's a lot to choose from this week. Um, And I'm maybe not going to go for the obvious. I'm going to go for a game that I was at, Brighton versus Tottenham, kind of game hanging in the balance, Mm 1-1, second half. Up steps, Grace Clinton, with Mm. an absolute belter of a ball from about... 30 yards out that just dips over Nikki Everard and goal and Everard like reaches as high as she can ends up landing flat on her back and she just kind of lays there in a real like what just happened moment (laughs) Um, and I think yeah sparked the game into life for Spurs and they went on to win 3-1 so if you haven't seen that Grace Clinton goal check it out it's worthwhile what Ooh, about you? Nice. A spicy little take. Well, I am going to go for something very, That's very right.
4: mainstream. Um, it's hard to ignore the fact that Beth Mead stepped onto the pitch to a massive standing ovation at the Emirates. And that was from us Arsenal fans and also Aston Villa fans. 35,000 packed in. I don't think there was a single person that wasn't clapping for her return. You've got to appreciate her no matter what side you're on. She ran onto the pitch. It was late in the day. Obviously, Arsenal were backs against the wall. We'll talk about this in a second. But within seconds, like her presence, I mean, even the players were clapping. Aston Villa and Arsenal players clapping as she came back on. And I think even her presence obviously, you know, created this incredibly inspired comeback. But she was obviously a big part of the Russo goal. When she laid off the ball to Russo, it was squelched under. Yep. It it did. It was like a squelchy ball underneath Daphne Van Domsela. She sort of outstretched hand, but she could have done better with it. We'll talk about that in a second. And it went in. I'm so distracted
1: by the word squelch. Is that onomatopoeia where the word sounds like the noise it makes? Yeah, it is. It's a great word.
4: Yeah, it did. It like it squiffied. Oh, squiffied? Mm, I don't like that one. No, not a fan of that one. Back to squelched. That's what happened. Back to Beth Mead. Yes. It went under Daphne into the back of the net. The crowd went. Wild. It was a madness at the
1: Emirates. Um, the yeah. emo- <clears throat> the emotion afterwards for Beth Mead, mm-hmm. the emotion of Beth Mead, the emotion of the other players, the emotion of Viviane Miedema, who's the biggest softie in the world. Little tears in her eyes when oh. Beth was getting her plaudits at the end of the match. It was lovely to see the ACL club coming together. And by that, I mean Lee Williamson and Laura Wienreuter. Just, it was lovely to see, you know, we all know how devastating those injuries can be, you know, and on top of that, I think Beth Mead has had an understandably very difficult year Mm -hmm. with other things off the pitch that she's had to deal with as well. So a big moment for her to not just come back, but to come back at the Emirates. Absolutely. And and the ground where she did it. Yeah. You know, I'm sure mentally that was quite important to kind of put that to bed, to get the first game out of the way and to have the impact she did was brilliant. So on one hand, the football world is so happy that, um, you know she's made that ACL recovery on the other hand we've got unfortunately another ACL injury the same weekend to Gabby George and another ACL injury for Gabby George which is absolutely gutting yeah. nine minutes into the match I think she knew as soon as she went down I feel like we've talked about this before we are starting to get to a point where you're like when you see a player go down a certain way you're just like no somber. And, yeah and I think that was the second ACL on that pitch as well didn't the, one of the PSG defenders I think did her ACL as well yeah uh, in that Champions League game so You know, some light at the end of the week seeing Beth Mead come back. But yeah, shout out to Gabby George. um, Best of luck in your recovery for that. Absolutely. Um, yeah, it's obviously going to be a long road for, for her and obviously not
4: the best timing either with Man United facing PSG in the second leg tomorrow, but we will go on that in a little bit. But I just want to touch basic, just, just slightly back on Beth, because obviously I like, we went to the press conference and like you've got the England games coming up and Serena was sort of, you know, calling out the announcement for the first Women's Nations League game. And she was saying, you know, Beth's not been in the squad. She's been out for a long period of time. She first now needs to take that step into playing those games, getting that consistency and she had to compete for selection again. What a way to start. <laughs> What a, I mean, I'm not expecting that she's going to be announced no. today. I think that's maybe slightly too early, slightly too premature. But what a way yeah. to set out
1: your campaign for a potential
4: Paris yeah. type
1: vote. Yeah, maybe not like, you know, this window. But, you know, there's another window, obviously, because they're relentless. Another window before the end of the year. You never know. She could even, even just to be in the squad. Yeah, for sure. Get back in the fold would be cool. So, fingers crossed.
4: Well done you. Right, let's get stuck into the Emirates game. Arsenal-Aston Villa. I mean... It was squeaky bum time for Eideville. I'm not going to go into another you no, know, let's crude, not. crass, unnecessary <clears throat> analogy for yeah. me. It was horrible. And I do apologise to listeners for that, that previous and way that I dealt with things. And, Thank you. and to you. Yeah. Um, Arsenal walks away with the points. 2-1. But both goals were scored in 12 minutes of extra. It was Fergie time. It was 12 minutes of stoppage time. When I saw the 12 minutes go on the board, I was like, nothing really that that crew that nothing that massive has happened in twelve to to incur twelve minutes. So I was thinking, how much is Idaville paying referees now <laughs> to provide extra time? Because this is wild, and obviously, like Katie McCabe's um, goal came in that was in the ninety third minute. No, nine, I think it was ninety two and ninety four were the 92 two goals. Ninety two and ninety four, um, but it sent the crowd absolutely wild. I mean. What did you think? What did you think of the game? I mean, Arsenal seemed to only really come. I, I thought it was a bit of a disappointing one for Arsenal. They had the chance to kind of, you know, get back into the Emirates, get back in front of a big crowd. Obviously, coming back off the, you know, the Champions League last, not having the best of starts of the season. I'd have just signed this new contract. You know, this is kind of like a, okay, let's get back into business. This should have been one of the, not the easier games. Absolutely. You know, the calibre of Aston Villa is not going to make this not an easy one, but. They could have done better.
1: It was disappointing. Well, it feels like after the United game, it was like, okay, that's going to spark them into life. You know, they they can, they're resilient. They can get goals at the death, again, obviously. But, you know, you know, you thought that was, okay, put that first game to bed. They're away now. Facing Aston Villa at a difficult time, mm-hmm. missing Kenza Daly. Kirsty Hansen still with the red card, um, three-game ban. An opportunity there to take control. And they had control. They had the possession, sixty-five percent. They had twenty-eight shots, created four of them on target, which is absolutely ridiculous. That's an issue, and I've said it. I feel like I say it every bloody podcast an issue that Arsenal need to look at. Why are they not being clinical? I think Carla Ward set up in a similar fashion to Liverpool, forcing Arsenal wide, and I'm and it's like Groundhog Day. They were just doing the same thing, firing mm. in crosses and expecting things to change, which I think <laughs> is a definition of madness. Um. And that first goal came from it felt like more direct play. I appreciate it mm-hmm. went out wide and and Katie McCabe scored it from a very very tight angle. Yeah, but it came from more direct play into the box. Um, and I'm pretty sure I saw a tweet someone saying that Arsenal were basically playing a two one seven by the end, but like <laughs> two recognised defenders, a midfielder, and then just like forwards a barrage on the
4: Aston Villa goal. Um, but do you think that makes it the criticism even heavier? Because it's like, okay, we're well, having 26 shots, was it? Twenty-eight, yeah. Twenty-eight shots, but you've got Black you've got Russo, you've got Meade, you've got McCabe, you've got Catley, you've got all these this firepower up top, and yet you're not producing a result. Or you're waiting until the <laughs> absolute final to the death moment
1: yeah. to produce a result. Yeah. And you saw what happened against Liverpool when Liverpool set up the way they did. You would think Arsenal would react better to that, having faced that, having recognised problem that is created for them you know we saw it when England went more direct for Mm -hmm. example they had two up front that was what a difference that made totally different style you know not saying Arsenal should do that but probably I think there should be frustration there that Arsenal weren't able to figure that out quicker Mm -hmm. until bloody 12 minutes of, of injury time absolutely
4: well now do you think I mean so Arsenal's first three games they have won one by the absolute skin of their teeth they've drawn one and they've lost one So there was a stat from Opta, I think, that was if you'd lost the if no one has won the WSL, if you have lost the first two games of the WSL, apparently. Wow. I think the WSL title now looks a little bit. It's hard to say, isn't it? Because you know, like you're still reliant on the fact that teams like Chelsea, uh, Man United, Man City, who are doing the sort of business this year, they will also need to drop points, and that could happen because the competitiveness of those kind of like the disrupted section Mm. has got so much higher. But you can't afford to be starting the season like that and giving yourself so much to do towards the back end. And you shouldn't be there when you have the calibre of players that you do. Yeah. Um, so yeah, do you think... I mean, we've got a question in from Gemma on email. Lovely. Lovely. Very formal. Dear sirs... No, it doesn't start like <laughs> that. Can Arsenal win anything other than the Conti Cup under Jonas Eideville? <laughs> it always feels like they fall short when it really matters. Do we think they have silverware... In their sights, realistically, this season. The last time they won the WSL was 2018 to
1: 19. It's a long time ago, guys. I so I, Jonas Söder. This is what his third season. I need to check that. But um, like you look at it, the first season he's finding his feet, right? They didn't win anything. Um, I think that was the season that Beth Mead had like the season of her life, right? Um, yeah, he's been on Arsenal since 2021. Last season and I'm sure I'll get vilified for saying this, but yeah. I think Arsenal probably overachieved a little bit given all of the shit they had to deal with. It was carnage. Um, and they went further in the... This is the thing, right? They're getting getting to a semi-final of a Champions League, nearly making the final, mm-hmm. getting that Champions League spot. They're not trophies, right? And they're things you don't think about when you're looking back at someone's season. Mm-hmm. They're not things that you can put in a trophy cabinet. But they were achievements, in a sense, for what Arsenal went through last season. yeah. This Season, I don't feel their like objectives yes, their smart objectives fulfilled. If we're going to have like so many big players out, you know, I'm sure they would have snapped your hand off <laughs> mm-hmm. at, at a trophy. Um, but I think this season, I feel like there is more pressure because they've brought in they've been very, very ambitious, they brought in big names. You're throwing on seven forwards practically to win a game, you know. But on the other hand, you're kind of saying, Look, the league is getting more competitive. I do think they need to win something this season, mm-hmm. um, and Maybe it'll be the Conti Cup again, but Arsenal do have to play an awful lot more matches to get to that point this season. Um, I can't stand the Conti Cup. I, I think I think I've made my thoughts very clear on yeah. it. I don't think it really
4: counts as proper silverware. Okay, that's um, a punt too far. That's uh, to, a <laughs> that's an
1: opinion, <laughs> um, but <laughs> which you are entitled to. Um, I basically what I'm saying is I wouldn't read into patterns under Jonas Ideville yet. I think if they'd if he'd had three normal seasons and all he'd won was a Conti Cup. Maybe it could be pretty stressed, but I wouldn't get too stressed about it. And you just also have to factor in that other clubs are just getting bloody good.
4: Well, I mean, the club seems to be backing him. He's just signed, obviously, the three year deal. Um, so but that also doesn't mean you're safe. You've signed a three year deal, but there are clauses in every managerial contract. That they can boot you out at absolutely any point. Hello, welcome so, to the WSL, the ma- man- manager merry go round at points. Literally, sometimes the wheel and hall of fame of managers. Uh, I mean, we saw something similar with sort of Everton like in the past couple of years. So. Oh, like all you're not invincible but also I do like the fact that the club I've put back in behind him you're, you're entitled to have bad spells like as you are with any player
1: so yeah we'll see what happens I mean Manchester City they've gone a while without winning anything well and look at them now flying flying god
4: those subtle saucy little Right. Carla Ward called the 12 minutes of added time. Absolutely ludicrous. I can understand her frustrations. I didn't know where that additional 12 minutes of extra time and that come off the back of having four minutes at half time of extra time as well. So a total 16 minutes of extra play there for Arsenal to find their feet in this. Uh, Villa led since the 25th minute and that's now three defeats from three from them. And they were the ones that we were kind of pegging as being the disruptors, the they you know, going to cause chaos they're going to unsettle things they're going to be you know destroying the status quo of the WSL do we think that this is this is just not going to be their season this is not going to be the season we expected or is it again we're going we're saying things too early it's still too soon calm down they just need to find their feet again they've had a few new sign ins they all need to bed in they all need to gel they've had a you know a
1: few big games relax chloe a bit of both i think um i can understand her frustration first of all at the injury time but on the other hand we've seen it across the leagues pretty much since the get-go mm-hmm. I was at I I can't remember which game it was and I was sitting there going 10 minutes like was there ten? you know it, it's gonna happen so you need to be able to be switched on mm-hmm. for all of that so it's not really an excuse Um I think as well there's an element of new players coming in that needs time but also there's you can't be relying too much on one player and Kenza Daly being injured can't be the only reason that they haven't put games to bed. Mm-hmm. I think they did play well against Manchester United. I think they were unlucky in that first game. They weren't good against Liverpool. Simple yep. as. Yeah. Um. And, you know, again, they probably wouldn't have expected to batter Arsenal. Yeah. But, you know, if you have the lead, you're going to be pretty bloody frustrated. They defended for their life. But also, like, you got to be scoring goals if you can't, like, you know, if you're ex- angry at injury time, that's your, I can understand why you're angry, but equally, like, it's like, score more goals like you gotta you gotta mm-hmm. push for it as well I'm not saying they weren't but like but I think their strategy seemed to be just try and get what you can on the count your, your
4: opportunity is going yeah, to be very far yeah. and few between so I think they did they didn't capitalize on every Christy opportunity and missing too exactly that and she's not back now until start of November which is when their big tasty games against Chelsea I yeah. think that's right Chelsea on the 4th of November um, yeah I mean Acer Villa take on Spurs next weekend oh, it's and gonna be tasty that isn't it I'm looking forward to that. Because Spurs have been playing some really bloody little tasty, tasty,
1: fruity football. So I think that's going to be kind of like the matchup of the weekend, essentially. I basically say, like, you know, don't stress too much, I think, this early on in the season. I think clubs are still finding their feet. You know, clubs with lots of international players that were busy during the summer are finding their feet. Mm -hmm. Clubs who brought in new signings are still finding their feet. Like, I wouldn't kind of look at it and say, we've lost the first three games. That's how the season's going to go.
4: Okay, well, we've got a question in from Joe Lenton on X, Twitter, what was Twitter. Twitter, Twitter, no, Twitter I'm X. Uh, she said it's a slow start for Villa, but we think they'll come good, right? So we're still expecting maybe to be in contention for the Champions League. If anything, still staying in and around that kind of fourth spot, fifth spot type vibe. Or I think fourth, fifth, sixth
1: could be really interesting.
4: Oh my God, yeah, I think Spurs could be in and about, yeah. in and about
1: that. Um, Potentially West Ham. Yeah. Liverpool? Hello? Liverpool? Like, Christ. So, you know, from the beginning of the season, something we have to like, from what we said at the beginning of the season, there's going to be way more competition, not just for the top three, mm-hmm. for that, there's going to be so much competition for that fourth spot now. So, yeah, it, it's it's not necessarily a guarantee for Villa. We never said anything was a guarantee, but like, that's that even that's going to be exciting. It's just—it's almost kind of—I um, mean,
4: when you look at the table now, I don't think anyone could predict it. It's going to be Man City top, Leicester City second, Chelsea third. That's probably excuse me. Of... Let's put Leicester in that chat about fifth six. Sorry, yeah. Where were you? Sorry. Uh, fourth Spurs, fifth Liverpool, 6th,
1: Man United, seventh Arsenal. It. I. I just. What I love what is a jumble that jumble sale, and that Villa Spurs game will be quite telling and quite important, I think, for Villa, obviously, but like. You know, should they get the win? It might just feel a little bit like, oh, okay, wait off. We've got those three points. Let's go. Um, you know, if it's, if it's not going into an international break after the first month, zero points. That's okay. stressful.
3: Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes, flat,
4: Right. Well, I always, I always, I always used to start a segue into Leicester with, okay. Now going back to the bottom half of the table, uh, uh, uh. how the tables have turned, literally. Lester. literally. How <laughs> the foxes have outsmarted every rabbit in the WSL. Oh, I love it. Yeah, beautiful. Did you like that? That was very what about good. Like an Enid Blyton type vibe to that. Leicester <laughs> hold Man United one one. Um, I mean, Leicester are exciting this year. What is happening? They are sitting s- a second. They've got seven points. I mean, Rach, talk to me because it's <laughs> one of the, again, one of these teams that makes you look a little bit silly. I mean, what are we expecting? What's the realistic ambition? Despite a really good start, do we think this is a kind of flash in the pan? Do we think this is actually Leicester finding their feet finally, finding some consistency, bedding in some players like Deanne Rose, like obviously I'm really sorry, like Josie Green went off injured yesterday, but I don't think it's anything too serious. So hoping she's back ASAP. Um, but yeah, they're um, they're producing some good football. They are, you know, disruption
1: central right now. Confidence. Mm. Confidence is massive and makes a massive difference to the way that Leicester are playing. And I think the wins that they got the first two games of the season, getting those six points made such a difference to their mentality going into the Manchester United game. Mm -hmm. Um, And you also then had to factor in, they were looking at Man United going, they have a game, two Champions League games are going to be thinking about as well. It's an opportunity for us to potentially put the boot in hang on see what we can get out of the game. Yeah. And and they got that point and I think they did kind of hang on in that first half defending for their lives. Um Manchester United couldn't find the back of the net. Um you know they hit all ar- all around the goal it seemed. <laughs> um but it was something that Mark Skinner picked up on uh in his pre-match um p- uh, press conference. Mm-hmm. He'd been talking about wanting to to reach the heights of the second half of that that first game against PSG, and we will get to that. Um, and he he felt that if they reach that, nobody will be able to to beat them. Basically, if they could play like that, I they didn't reach that that level. But he also recognised the fact he said there are patterns of play. There's all of that stuff, but there are little codes in terms of psychology of how a playing team are performing. And when they're high in confidence, they're flicking things, they're moving things, they give and go. There's no fear for the defensive transition. There's much more on the attacking phase, and that shows confidence. And you could see that, you know, they it was something Willie Kirk said afterwards that he would rather they play their style of football over getting the three points, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Like he would rather see them play the way he wants them to play. And and they were like, first half, very much element of luck. Mm-hmm. But second half, I thought they came out really well. They made two changes. Deanne Rose um, came on as well. Uh, and I, yeah, I think they got the first goal. Tails are up. um, not a great goal to then concede to Manchester United. But, you know, there's a real commitment from Willie Kirk that he's also brought into that team of playing their way of football. They're all bought into it. And, you know, in injury time, 1-1 against Manchester United with Rachel Williams on the pitch. He (laughs) he brings on a 16-year-old, you know, a a 16-year-old up front. And it just Mm -hmm. kind of is like embodies Kirkball because I refuse to call it the alternative to Kirkball, ball, Willie ball. Um, and I just think that kind of just, it shows the mindset and the, the kind of commitment mm-hmm. to the style of play. And I, I really respect that.
4: So to put your, not your flagpole in the sand too early doors, but do we think this is going to be a consistent Leicester? Do we think realistically they are going to have moved from there? Oh, what are they going to be relegated to actually now? Oh, Wow. Mid-table, mid-table Star Wars, they're going to be the new kind of Everton of the WSL, the new kind of, you know, West Ham, the middle table safety
1: net. Potentially, you know, because improvement with improvements comes more commitment from the club and, you know, more interest from players who maybe want to join. So the better they do, the better they become, I suppose. Um, And we were trying to work it out before we started recording, like... Could Leicester potentially be safe by Christmas when you think this time last year, Christmas, they were on zero points? Madness. I mean, when you look
4: at where Leicester are now, I mean, they've got seven points. So last year they finished on 16 points. So they're only nine points away from the position they finished in. They've got six games left till the end of the uh, this half of the season, the, uh, up until Christmas. Uh, Man City next weekend, which is going to be a toughie. But they are already taking, you know, a point off of the top four teams. Uh, Liverpool again, another it's absolute gonna be great game, massive toughie. I think there's always a power in sort of that we've got nothing to lose type mentality. No one's expecting Leicester to win the WSL this year. Or they could do like what their men's Premier League team did and just had that random one year where they just absolutely smash it and all the other teams (laughs) fall flat on their asses. So (laughs) what do we know about the WSL this year? Um, Right, let's touch on Man United then because I don't think it was the best game. But also you have to appreciate that they are now... This is their first year where they're having to contend with Champions League fixtures. So... Obviously, they had the home game on Tuesday against PSG. Rach, talk to me a little bit, before we get stuck into the Leicester side of things, talk to me a little bit about how you felt watching that first half of Man United-PSG. Game under the lights on
1: a Tuesday. This is where you insert tumbleweed. (sighs) It was probably one of the worst performances I've seen from Manchester United. <laughs> um, Don't go in too hard now. I, I was at times regretting my five hour drive up on a Tuesday, like a fifth, second time in five days. Uh, but second half, mm. bloody hell, more Wasn't than it? made up for it. Great crack that was. I'm really enjoyed the it. Daisy. Yes. Change in personnel. I think Sophie said this to me normally manchester united aren't necessarily a kind of a reserved team in terms of like defending from the front mm-hmm. and i think skinner tried to do that and it wasn't it didn't work he had players out of position and it just it it wasn't working psg kind of came all out mm-hmm. um but also credit to recognizing that making this, the the right changes and keeping themselves in the tie because they to keep themselves in the tie in that first half was huge massive um and the changes they made in the second half Really good second half.
4: My biggest question for Skinner really is I don't get the strategy. I don't.
1: (laughs) What are you doing? (laughs) Yeah.
4: How is it? uh, Do you put (laughs) all the players? What is who do what? (laughs) Do you put all the players in uh, little balls and then do you put them in a black bag and then jiggle them around and have (laughs) a member of staff pick out the balls and put them into a little slot? like how that's what Arsenal did at the end of their match <laughs> how do we end up with seven forwards <laughs> who picked the team <laughs> is that what is that what's happening because that is the only way that I can really justify the new approach I think to that and I get there has to be more squad rotation you've got more fixtures this year and I know that he, yeah but it's obvi- the beginning of the season but it is <laughs> early his early doors. So when I was looking at the lineup and I was seeing, you know, Jay-Z's not starting, you know, you've got um in the team. He is yeah, you you've got like I oh, was ch- talking we're talking Champions League, sorry. Yeah, yeah, Champions League, sorry. Uh you've got, you know, like really good quality players that are sitting on the bench. And then you've got Jade Riviera who's kind of Trying to do what she can. Do you want your first start? Here you go. You're in the wrong position. Good yeah, luck. Yeah, just one of our most competitive games of the season. A historic game for us. All of us are going out for the first time ever that the club's got into European football. And you throw this girl on, give her absolutely no clue, um, and then and then you're shouting at her from the sidelines to do and she was lost. She was completely lost in this role. And then, obviously, you make the changes at half-time. But by that point, you're 1-0 down. Bats against the wall. You're going squeaky bum time. And everyone... Good throwing the kitchen sink it in the second half. But there was a completely different team. It's just... What are you doing? And then, flip forward to the Leicester game. Maybe he got a spice of what we all felt. You know, you, a game against Leicester is probably one of those where you're like, oh, it's going to be fairly... It should be fairly straightforward. We don't even need JC in the team. Put her on the Send her home. Don't worry. Put your feet up, love. Absolutely fine. Like, I <laughs> just... What's going on? Is this is not the year? This is not the year to not be starting your strongest squad every single game, unless there's an issue. And I, and I appreciate maybe there's a, a sense of having to manage minutes. She had they a do dead have leg, the but in the press conference,
1: I swear he was like, "No, nah, it's not a big deal. She's grounded." So, what? So we spoke about confidence mm. for Leicester, and what is important in the early part of the season. And look, we we always are calling for rotation. You know, I'm, t- I'm fully aware that I do call for that absolutely. But in a situation where you're playing like your PSGs and you want to build your confidence, you want your forwards feeling confident, scoring goals. You know, there's a lot of rotation up front. We saw it in the Leicester game as well. They were hitting every fucking inch of that crossbar and goalposts and not actually getting it in the goal. And there is an element of, do you not maybe start your your best number nine, get them to be scoring goals, get that confidence up so that when you're going away then to PSG, they're like, yeah. I've just scored three goals. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm up for it. Let's go. Um, but, yeah, I, you're also, I guess, managing new tactics. And it's a new, you know, thing for Mark Skinner to be managing two Champions League games either end of a week with a game in the middle. And, you know, I appreciate that. But, yeah, some questionable, questionable
4: tactics. Talk to me, though, because when Skinner saw what Man United were capable of in that second half, would you not be thinking, let's put that team out again? By God, I think we've cracked it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> By God, <golly>. it. <laughs> uh, um, yeah, well, you, <laughs> and then, but like pre, and no, he, no, no, no. and like he said this. I swear to God, he must have said it about five times in the pre-match press conference. If we reach that level, if we reach that level, we want to aim for that level. If we get to that level again, that level, mm. second half, that level, mm-hmm. no one's going to be able to compete with us let's put out a different team <laughs> <laughs> and reach that level again. And it didn't work. Yeah. I don't
4: understand. So I think now it's going to be very interesting to see what they put out, what Skinner puts out tomorrow. Uh, obviously the second leg of uh, the, the first Champions League entry, uh, obviously it all comes down to a, a goal, essentially.
1: Mm. Um, I'm excited. Yeah. It's it, going to be a great little fixture. Yeah. And the PSG fans, last time I was there, are Raucous. unreal Raucous. they're out with their shirts off and their drums banging it's like and massive flags and like oh it was so cool so that's another thing they have to contend with but they're also coming from Lee Sports Village which generally is pretty loud so mm-hmm. you know um, the Army yeah, Army will be making their flights over to Paris it's going to be yeah I'm looking forward to this one and I'm I'm so glad because when I was looking at that first half I was thinking they're going to be out of this tie before they even get to PSG In this, it, it, get to Paris I, they come out and play like that
4: I off. only think Skinner's choice on personnel will be validated if he's completely rested JC for the Leicester games but you know what it's more important Champions League she and comes she out starts and, and scores a hat-trick yeah 100% yeah. absolutely and takes them through Let's into group it. stages and I think that would be absolutely phenomenal you'll be coming in next week going you know what Skinner by golly I think he's cracked it <laughs> <laughs> But no, I think it's just it's going to be such a great game. I think the crowd is expected to be absolutely mad. The PSG fans are going to be absolutely bring the vibes. Barmy Army's flying over. I think it's going to be... I think they've got it. I actually think they've got... You've got the world's best... Sorry, I almost forgot. You've got the world's best goalkeeper in goal. We'll just slightly touch on the fact that I think she probably could have done best with the PSG goal. But we all make slight errors of judgment. Anyway, this weekend we also saw the...
1: Maz Ma- side? You really struggle with this. You said derby earlier and now you're saying the side. derby. The side. derby. Derby,
4: Oh, chap. Everton beat Liverpool 1-0 at Anfield to get their first points of the season. Missy Bo Kearns had a goal wrongly disallowed for offside at the start of the game. I know Matt Baird was raging. absolutely happy about the whole you'd situation. Be,
1: you'd be raging, especially Missy Bo Liverpool, through and through, loves to play at Anfield. It's just one of those Jerry on top moments and then they were like no not for you guys no. uh
4: brian sorison uh, was absolutely chuffed of course he was uh, i had a lot of emotions well i can't do the accent can you do the accent no okay we're not going to try that i had That'll be embarrassing. a lot of emotions i forgot to say thanks for the game to matt beard i think he was a little mad at me but hopefully i can make it up to him
1: what's he gonna do lose the next game well, 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 well. I don't know. Maybe we take them out for a pint or something. Got well, no idea. Well, look, really important for Everton to get their first three points. Um, they had the kind of the stats on their side, if you like. They mm-hmm. love a derby. They're generally coming out with the the points um, in a derby. And Matt Beard said beforehand when he get to a Merseyside derby, form goes out the window. Like it's just a different beast. Um, so you know he'll be he'll be delighted to get points on the board. Um, but I think I'm pretty sure they have Man United next. So. It's, you know, it's not an easy. We all know this. It's not an easy league. Um we hope that this will be the the, the bounce for Everton that they need, but not an easy fixture. Uh
4: we do have a question from Kirsty. Uh, based on the first few games, who could you see forcing their way into Serena's thoughts for the England squaderoo? Uh, the question. squad's being announced for the English Nations League today at 4:15. Um in advance of the header against Belgium. I mean, who would you be picking? Who wasn't picked for the previous lionesses based on the last few weekends? Maya ear. Oh, you
1: taking that right from underneath my pocket? Yeah. Well, you had it right there. I could see it. Uh, no, I'd I'd have her. I um, thought she's been good. Potentially, Millie Turner could get a call up as well. Um, yeah, I think Maya for me is is the one has to be there. I think she was she's been good, and you know. Take a punt, Grace Clinton. Bring her. She's been playing really well for Spurs. Why not? Christ. Give her a few. Give her an experience at senior camp. It'd be cool.
4: Well, 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 well. Um, well, I'm gonna go. You know, Beth made. No, obviously no. it's not. <laughs> obviously as well. Silly guys. You're not, joking. are you serious? No, no, but I think I mean, she should be in contention at some point in the future. <laughs> at some point in the, future, at some point in the short, future, okay. Um, I think Serena should drag this player kicking and screaming into the England squad, despite what she said about not wanting to be a part of it. Leah Galton, I think she's had a worldly little start. I, I think she's been underappreciated because Man United have got these incredible forwards now who are sort of stealing a bit of the limelight, but the deliveries are still there. She tracks back. She's, uh, I I just, I really rate her. She's very understated.
1: And I do think Serena should be like, come on. Listen, you never on, know. They could be having conversations, but it is also very much a, a and <laughs> needs to be, to be up for it as well. But Absolutely. But she has been I excellent. I said very very tugging cheek, but I'm also like, come on Galt. Like she is excellent last year, for but Manchester yeah, United. Come on. She's come so on. consistent. Give it a go. Just the one game. Just mm. a cheeky little one against Belgium. Come on. Okay, Chloe. I know it's getting spicy in the WSL, but we are going to go across the water because it's been an unforgettable season over in the States in the NWSL, which had its final round of matches on Sunday before the playoffs begin this week. San Diego Wave, who finished top, finished top of the fewest points ever as well, while Chicago Red Stars finished bottom with more points than ever before. God, get your head around that. Go on. There were just 13 points separating first and 12th. That's mm. insane. To talk us through this one of a kind end of season, uh, we gave U.S. women's football journalist Megan Swanick a call because getting my head around playoffs and all of that sort of business, I needed some help. It's like when you and Safe had to
4: explain the qualification for the Women's
1: Nations League. Yeah, and I'm pretty sure we got it wrong. I but really she did that. not. Megan was great. Here she is. OK, well, welcome, Megan. Thank you so much for joining us on the pod. Yes, thank you for having me. Sunday marked Decision Day in the NWSL and it was all set up for a particularly dramatic finale uh, with four playoff places up for grabs, eight teams in contention for them. Um, So we want to look back on the weekend and give our listeners a little taste of what to expect from the playoffs later this week. So first and foremost, did this this season's Decision Day, did it live up to the hype?
5: Yes, absolutely. NWSL, it's, this was the end of the 11th regular season, and it's a league really known, renowned, and celebrated for its parity, its relative parity. Top to bottom, there's 12 teams in the league. There will be 14 teams next season, but for this year, there were 12 teams, and from The San Diego Wave, who came in first place at the end of things, all the way down to the Chicago Red Stars, who came in last place. It really is just a tightly contested league, makes every weekend exciting. You never know what's going to happen. And heading into the last six games, each of those six games happening all at the same time had serious import for what the playoffs were going to look like. So definitely a fun time trying to figure out, oh, someone scored in this match. Now someone scored in the other match. Uh, it's it's chaotic. It's fun. It definitely delivered on on Decision Day drama.
1: I can totally relate to like end of season when you're trying to keep across all of the games playing at the exact same time. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, A very recognizable face on this side of the pond guided San Diego wave to the NWSL Shield, Casey Stoney. What kind of job has she done?
5: She's been incredible, really her players, anyone watching them these past two seasons just can't come up with enough compliments for the job that she's done. Last year was San Diego Waves first season in NWSL and um, they qualified for the playoffs. They performed really well. She's been writing running an impressive and cohesive team since since last season. And of course, this year they ended up in in first place. They entered yesterday's match in second place, um, but they really controlled their match with racing Louisville from start to finish. And thanks in part to Alex Morgan's pretty remarkable second half goal,
1: they, they came away with the shield at the end of it. Do you think that makes them the favorites for the playoffs?
5: Certainly one of them, but that's such a hard thing to predict. Truly, I'm not just saying this, any of the six teams in the playoffs can really, can really take it. Certainly, they'll be a favorite, and the way things work, they'll now be having home stadium advantage for all of their playoff games, including the final, because the final's in San Diego, so you have to think that they're one of the favorites. Historically, does the Shield winner generally win the playoffs? No, um it's really all really all over the place and to be honest, I mean in in US sporting this landscape here, the sports psyche of the average American fan, the shield is sometimes overshadowed by the playoffs or, or who wins the playoffs. Um but you love to see the the San Diego Wave come away with it and hopefully build on that. If you look at pictures, it's a bit funny. Um, it's a, The actual shield looks like a small little serving tray rather than the <laughs> incredible accomplishment that it is coming away with the shield, especially this season. I think it was the most tightly contested uh, table of all the 11 seasons. So a remarkable accomplishment, but by no means a guarantee they take it all.
1: Yeah, because their record was far from domineering Um, played 22, won 11 drew 4, lost 7 and then, you know San Diego's rivals for the title Portland Thorns got an absolute pasting Uh, Angel City beat them 5-1 in perhaps maybe the most eye-catching fixture of the weekend How did that happen?
5: Definitely, I think, among probably the most eye-catching, certainly the most surprising. I don't know if anyone saw that coming. Angel City hosted the game, so it was on their turf. They have been delivering with incredible crowds and excitement in their home stadium, so that was an advantage. They are also, this is their second season in the league, but unlike San Diego Wave, they haven't always looked convincing or delivered in results, despite the celebrity-laden ownership group, despite... Um, the crowds despite the impressive branding and and marketing and they came into this game really needing to deliver with an impressive win to make the playoffs and to say they delivered that is an understatement I mean they were defending for their lives they were clinical in their opportunities and defeated Portland Thorns who if you were going to make me pick a favorite to win it all I would have said it was them Um, but they completely (laughs) deflated against Angel City yesterday
1: I was very lucky to um go to my first n w s l match after the World Cup on the way back from the World Cup, and it was Angel City and you're right it is a very exciting place to go. the marketing's amazing I've got some stuff here at home now as you know couldn't help myself um their turnaround since Freya Coombe, who actually joined us on a pod uh, in the past, she was replaced by Becky Tweed in june um and the turnaround has been unbelievable. What do you think the key has been?
5: You know, it's interesting. Sometimes you just need some fresh
1: ideas and a
5: fresh face to take hold of the ship, especially when morale is low. They were, I think, in 11th place when Coombe was was dismissed and Becky Tweed took over. And they have only lost, I believe, just one game since she took over. I think their record is eight wins, five draws and and just one loss. Um, So that's part of it. Um, Certainly, players rounding into form, um, a few of the injured players coming back. They're still missing Kristen Press, um, maybe making her hopeful re-emergence in the next season. But I think a combination of fresh ideas,
1: morale, players rounding into form has really delivered for them. Um, This weekend could also see potentially both Ali Krieger and Megan Rapinoe's final games. Is there a worry that departing stars like that perhaps symbolise the NWSL's gradual drop off as the best league in the world, or are there young rising stars making for a very exciting future of the league? Because I know there was a lot of kind of introspection about the the NWSL after you at the USA's poor performance down under.
5: It's an interesting question, and it will certainly be. Uh... I think it's a pending question, personally. Um, On the one hand, I think certainly NWSL needs to be strategic, and I know that they're being strategic about needing to remain one of the top leagues for players to play. Um, You saw Esther Gonzalez moving in the opposite direction of what people may have been expecting after winning the World Cup. She's now playing with Gotham in in New York. Um, So they're definitely going to be looking to draw more talent in this direction, despite the general trend. And you definitely, although one of the major themes of Decision Day yesterday was these veteran stars like Megan Rapinoe with her brace, Alex Morgan with that incredible strike. Ellie um, Krieger had a goal line clearance. You had Al- Alyssa Nair had a big goalkeeping performance. So you had a lot of veteran stars making really impactful uh, plays when it mattered most. But you also had um, a bit of the younger generation coming in. I think Jaden Shaw, who had the first goal for san diego wave really exemplifies that she's just 18 years old um a lot of people she hasn't she's only recently been called into the national team but definitely someone to watch as a future star so there's the younger generation who are incredibly talented still there still delivering so i
1: would say that question will be one to watch um, the WSL this season is being hailed as more competitive than ever. Ever, and as you touched on, that's definitely kind of the case across the NWSL. What can the WSL learn from their American counterparts in that regard? Oh, that's an interesting question. Implement the draft.
5: No, I'm, I'm not a fan of the draft, <laughs> but that is one of the ways. That is one of the ways that we do it. Um, WSL, yeah, it's been exciting watching the first few weekends. I think definitely the top of that table is really tight. I don't know what initial advice I would have for parody down the table. One of the ways they do it or we do it in the U.S. is through that draft where, you know, you have the opportunity to be selecting the top talents coming out of the collegiate system and um, if you place last or if you place
1: at the bottom of the table. So that kind of has a nice spread. It's something we often touch on, you know, because over here a lot of the clubs are associated with a, a men's club in the Premier League. That's often the case and, you know, where that kind of funding might come from and we all often look to the NWSL as standalone clubs that have been, you know, built from the ground up and built that community and it's something we kind of sometimes are maybe a little bit envious of. Um, so it is an interesting one. Um, so back to the playoffs. So third to six, are entered mm-hmm. into the quarterfinals of the playoffs with first and second waiting for the winners in the semifinals. Um, O.L. Rain face Angel City in the first quarterfinal where the winner will play San Diego Wave. And then North Carolina Courage play Gotham FC in the other with the winner facing Portland Thorns. So what should listeners expect from both of those fixtures this weekend? Do you think it will be close? I think all of
5: these games are going to be close. O.L. Rain broke the league-wide all-time attendance record for Megan Rapinoe's home farewell and I know that they're going to be really trying to match that number when they're hosting Angel City in Seattle for uh, I think Friday is that game already so I think that the home crowd could play into their favor and although Angel City kind of just made it into the playoffs by the skin of their teeth I think that they're really gonna continue what they started against Portland Thorns. That's definitely gonna be tightly contested. Um, the other one, North Carolina Courage. I mean they're in a really they're a very impressive team. They've got all kinds of players that can score. One thing to watch for them would be I think Kiroleen may have picked up an injury in that second half, depending on how serious that is, that could be a setback for them. But certainly that'll be a tough test between them and and, and Gotham. So could go in any directions. I would expect I would expect multiple goals from all kinds of teams, maybe some
1: overtime. And I'm gonna have to put you on the spot, but who is your favorite to go all the way? <laughs> An impossible, impossible question. I think I will
5: actually say San Diego wave. I think that they, especially with that home field advantage running through the playoffs, sometimes having a rest. They don't play in the first round. They'll meet whoever wins this first round and the, the round after that, sometimes that plays against the team, you know, you want to keep the rhythm going if you're playing well. Um,
1: but if I have to pick someone, I, I think I'm going to go with San Diego. Well, I think we'd be pleased to hear that, given um, our love of Casey Stoney over here. So we'll see what happens. It's very exciting and definitely we'll be keeping an eye across the pond. And um, thank you so much for joining us and giving us all your insight. Um, and we look forward to seeing how it all unfolds. Yes, enjoy the chaos, which is definitely a story. Thanks for having
0: me.
4: Wow, what an interview with Megan. I feel like I finally got a better understanding of things, but well, not, not totally. I was going to say, do you?
1: Because I'm not sure I'm 100%, but I'm much closer than I was.
4: I mean, what are your thoughts on that? I mean, you went out there last year, went to go and see O.L. Reign and Angel City. I mean what's it like? I've never actually gone to go and see one of the NWSL games. I mean,
1: what what was happening over there? So here? it was pretty cool. This was only just gone in August that I went um, and it was on the way back from the World Cup because I just felt like we hadn't had enough football. Nice. So we went to see Angel City versus O.L. Reign in LA. Unreal. Their fans are incredible. Um, there's such a vibe. Like It's just a different culture when it comes to fans and sport and um, you know, they had their own kind of ultras with drums and flares and all sorts. Their merchandise is unreal. The way that they market the league um is amazing. So that was really, really fun. So I can't imagine how these these games are gonna go. You've got players potentially playing their last games. You know, there's lots of exciting things and narratives happening in each of these fixtures. So um yeah, it should make for a, a very exciting ending to it. Do you ever think there could be a
4: world in it? You know, like the NFL comes over to the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium every now and again. and do these kind of games. Do you ever think it would be nice to kind of have like the, a, a big juicy NWSL game? Yeah, like or an all star w-
1: NWSL versus an all star WSL. Could you imagine? Yeah, that would be wild at Wembley. Christ, you I heard mean, it here first. Do that's one of the boxing team. Or Who's, just to have like, who do we call about that?
4: Um,
1: leave know. it with us. Leave it with Sue's us. Sue's
4: gone. Kelly's gone.
1: Um, Serena.
4: Yeah, yeah, I do have her number, yeah. funny enough. I've She's her a speed message. dial. one 800 Queen. Thank you for listening to today's
1: episode. I mean, Rach, away heading off to this week? Well, I'm in Paris tomorrow. Nice. Me and the bedbugs. Um, oh. Hopefully they will stay there. And then Villa Spurs on Saturday. And then we we're doing the Leicester-Man City game on the way home, I think. So a doubleheader for us. And then I'm at Chelsea Brighton. And so he's at West Ham, Liverpool. So we've got about sixteen games in the next four days. No, it's about five.
4: You, You, you're going to look incredibly tired
1: by the next time I see you. What do I look like now? It's going to be worse. Imagine
4: slightly less tired. (laughs) There you go. Um, I'm going to be at the, well, I'm not going to be, but I'm going to be across at the WSL, but probably keeping just lying all
1: across it, everything.
4: Literally that, just, just multiple all the screens. <laughs> Leicester v Man City, I think, is going to be the one that I want to see. I just want to see if Leicester can take a point or three off of Man City.
1: I don't know. They're looking pretty spicy in good form. Because I'll tell you what that is. It's a top of the table titan battle. It is. Bizarre. Bizarre bizarre world we all live in also can we just shout out Man City for scoring five headers in one game that is a record well done wow yeah five headers mm.
4: well more of that at the weekend uh, remember you can find us on Instagram and x slash Twitter, Twitter. Uh, I am at Morgie underscore 89 Rach is at girls on the ball and we are at upfront underscore pod you can also find us on YouTube at upfront pod we will see you next
1: week